Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even though Andrew has been mean to me all night long, I love him. I still love him and... Even with all my doubts, I go to the airport to get my flight to the U.S. I check my bag and I go to the gate. And then he calls me and he's telling me, uh, okay, but I'm still upset, you know. You're gonna meet an angry fiancé. I'm so overwhelmed at that moment with fears. And I feel like I can't even enter that plane. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, 90 Day Fiance and Sister Wives Edition. Okay, so first of all, I have an announcement and that announcement is I'm out. (laughs) I am done with 90 Day Fiance for the foreseeable future once this season ends. I saw the preview for Happily Ever After and it was... I have a, listen, as a Pisces, I'm a highly intuitive and psychic individual, okay? And so typically when I put things out to the universe, out to the reality TV gods, it comes back to me and it comes back good. But this time it has come back bad. (laughs) Every couple that is going to be on this cast is every couple I wish I could never have to be forced to see again. It's Andre and Libby. First of all, (laughs) 
I mean, on the strength of that couple alone, I would not have watched this season. I cannot with family Libby. I cannot um, with her dad burp and her brother burp Jr. I can't. And I shouldn't have to. And so I'm not going to. The only thing that I saw in that preview, I mean, Angel and Michael are back. Why? Why? (laughs) Why, you guys? We have to sit there and be subjected to watching them have cyber sex with each other? No. No. I didn't go through hell this past year to have to watch Angela masturbate on national television. Who asked for that? So... I'm not going to be covering happily ever after. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I mean, I saw the return to Amish or breaking Amish or um, Amish meets Manhattan is coming back and maybe I'll watch that, but it seems like it's pretty dark. I don't know. Sister Wives is going really well. So, I mean, I don't even know when this season of 90 Day Fiance is going to be over. It seems like it probably only has a couple of episodes left. So, yeah. Sorry, you guys. I cannot watch that show in good faith because it's just going to be me getting on here and being like, I don't want to watch this. So I'm not going to do that to you or to me. So sorry, you guys. Maybe when 90 Day comes back with something that we can actually work with then we'll we'll have something to talk about. We'll table this conversation for later, but as of now, your girl is out. With that being said, let's talk about this episode of 90 Day Fiance. We'll start off with Yara and Jovi. Not really much. I mean, the really I mean, I could probably wrap this up in about 30 seconds. They get to Vegas. For some reason, they flew from New Orleans to L.A. and then drove to Vegas. I'm not sure why. Jovi has gotten his way completely. So what went from just a wedding in Vegas between Jovi and Yara has now become like an actual wedding, really. It's not like a last minute elopement. He's got friends that are coming, family members that are coming, people that are showing up the day of the wedding. So this is like a thing. This is officially a thing. Yara is not feeling well. She's pregnant. Also, she's about to marry Jovi. Something that would probably make anybody sick and want to run to Ukraine, whether that's your home country or not. So she's just upset because it's the Jovi show. He is not really caring for her in the way she feels like she wants to be cared for. He's not displaying any sort of... um, qualities of somebody who is about to have a baby on the way and is caring for, you know, the person who's carrying your seed, your demon seed. Okay. So she's just upset that Jovi's not recognizing her needs basically. So by the time they get to the hotel, you know what time it is, you know, it's that like, you know, 15 minutes, get your shit, take a quick, you know, little hoe bath and meet me downstairs because we're going to rage, right? Of course, Jovi thinks that this is what's going to happen, but Yara's not feeling it. And she is like, listen, you're not giving me what I need. So I at least need you to spend the night before our wedding together. Let's have some romantic private time for us. I need you to recognize that I love you and I gave up a lot for you and you're not really giving up anything for me. 
So there you go. He says, yeah, I hear you. I'm listening. And they uh, presumably go and have like a nice romantic private night to themselves. We don't see it. That's it. (laughs) Moving on to, uh, you know, another couple, not much going on here. Hazel and Tariq. Tariq. I, I can never pronounce this man's name. So basically they're days away from getting married and uh, you know, Hazel wants to live her true self. And in order to do that, she is going to come out to her parents as a bisexual. She's nervous. Her parents are born again. Christians are very religious. They're really homophobic and, she also has an example within her family of having a sister who's bisexual. And she says when she brought her girlfriend over, her parents were like, no ma'am. And trying to like, you know, put holy water on them. So she FaceTimes her mom and dad and she tells them, Hey, I just want you guys to know I'm bisexual. I'm attracted to women. How would you feel if I was, you know, to come home with a woman and her dad's pretty chill about it. He says, you know, I love you regardless. There's no love lost here. Mama, not so great. She is like, Oh hell no, absolutely not. Um, I am not, I don't approve of this and I'm never going to. So, you know, 50, 50 Hazel seems pretty um, heartened by her dad's response and seems like she had pretty much prepared herself for her mother's response. So is it upsetting? Yes. But at least Hazel came into the situation as prepared as she could be and was accepting of the outcome. It's sad, but she seems happy to at least have told them her truth. So, you know, all in all, you know, not great, but not the worst thing. Because at least she's got one parent on her side. Hopefully her dad can, like, talk to his mom, talk to their mom and, you know, get her to see another way of thinking. I really, really want that for Hazel because she deserves it. And her sister does, too. I don't know her sister, but, you know, everybody deserves to have parents that love and support them. Period. So moving on, Hazel's going to have a bachelorette party. A couple of Tariq's lady friends are going to be there. Angela's there. Kia's there. She has a friend that she met on Instagram who is also Filipino, but had been living in America for 15 years. She shows up. They had never met each other. (laughs) That was their first time meeting each other in real life. And Tariq's like, hey, I got a surprise for you, baby girl. And that surprise is... Some ass cheeks. Thank you. So they get a stripper. Stripper comes to the hotel. Um, Angela's like, I did not ask for this, but I love that for you girls. So I'm going to, you know, stand just outside of the camera's view and text while you look at these cheeks, girl. Love that for you. We find out, this is a question that I've been wondering, is when Hazel's been saying, you know, I'm attracted to women with brown skin. I was curious as to what that means because brown skin, you know, appears in many nationalities. So, or races. So, because I don't know the difference. That's stupid of me. <laughs> um, so we find out that she likes black women. 
She likes what she sees. She likes the girl doing splits. She likes to watch her twerk. She was loving it. The producers were like, how did you like um, Tariq's gift to you? She's like, oh, is that what he got me? Well, he picked right. So thank you. She was loving it. Absolutely loving it. She was like, I like her skin tone. I like her B-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-
I'm done with this. I'm hitting my breaking point. Brandon, why do you want to get married if you're not excited about this? Great question. And she says, you know, like you're basically just focusing on the negative and you're not doing anything for the wedding. And she walks out. She walks out of the room. Julia says, you know, I want him to feel excited about marrying me. But basically, Brandon just wants to get those papers signed, go back to his life and go back to, you know, petting those Brussels Griffons. Morally corrupt and sketchy Brussels Griffons. So I guess it's a, 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 what do you call it? Cliffhanger? I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't give a shit. I mean, how dark is it that we, I'm like looking back and thinking, gosh, we really had some content when Betty was talking about all the times that Brandon was jizzing in that hot tub, the therapeutic hot tub. And what it, somehow we've declined from there. We've had a downturn from a spermy hot tub. You know, that's a difficult thing to swallow. I wasn't, you know, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Rebecca and Zied. So, again, just laugh. Because I cannot stand Rebecca, I have to find the silver lining. And my silver lining, as you guys know, is in comparing Rebecca and Zied to that of a constantly frustrated mother and her teenage son. And no greater example was displayed to us than this episode where they go to Target. (laughs) And Zied is trying to explain, like, on the way to Target, he's trying to explain his wedding fit, right? The wedding drip, if you will. And he's saying that he's going to be doing a red tux jacket suit jacket and blue pants and blue shoes wow (laughs) rebecca is horrified she even knows to be horrified by that combination she's very scared my question is clearly he's not shipping that shit from tunisia he brought it so how do you not know what the shit looks like rebecca this is very weird to me but anyway Rebecca's frustrated because she's like, you know, Ziad can't do anything for himself. Okay. A a fact that you knew before you brought him over here. You knew that it was going to be several months. I mean, sure, COVID. But I mean, let's take COVID out of it because you would be in the same position anyway. You would still be driving Ziad around Target frustrated. So, I don't know. I don't really, she seems to be like on the brim. She's on the brim of freaking out. And they're in the men's section of Target. It's literally like watching a mom trying to get her son ready for homecoming. You know, like a single mother. It's Friday night. Homecoming's on Saturday. And they got to rush to get some outfit together. So she's like, finds him a bunch of pants. And then she gets to the fitting room. Surprise, COVID. Can't use the fitting rooms. She thinks... That if she tells that employee, like, I'm going to get married, I'm going to be getting married in a couple days and we need to try this clothes on that, like, they're going to give a shit. First of all, you're not even wearing a mask, Rebecca or Zied. And I know that this is Canton, Georgia. And I know that, like, you know, from my friends and headlines that 
really and even watching reality shows that film in Georgia it's like no masks just vibes I'm actually surprised that doesn't Target have like a mandate maybe that was before they actually were mandating people to wear masks but whatever um didn't work girl that employee has so many other things to do than like worry about your bumblefuck wedding okay so she's just frustrated and to add on, I mean, there was like a side part of like Zied not telling his sister that he was getting married so quickly. And so he has to video chat with her and tell her the news. And it doesn't seem like his parents care. And I know that like we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel for any sort of drama with Rebecca and Zied. But like they really treat Zied's sister like she's the gatekeeper of the family. And like she's the one that you need to go to. You know, like to get approval, but I don't think his parents care. And I think that they are like supportive of his relationship. So why are we having this dramatic conversation with your sister? She basically is like, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what you want me to say. It se seems like you've made your decision. Bye. And chat. <laughs> so that was really it. So they have decided officially to get married at that campground horse carriage venue that we saw them go to earlier so they get there and it's whatever I mean Rebecca's stressed out she's very stressed like the Kathy cartoon stress lines are emanating from her hair um her hair that still has not received a decent dye job something you know Maybe you could have popped over to the hair section of Target to get you some nice and easy, but I, you know, who are me to judge? That's, that's your journey, girl. So obviously a whole bunch of people are not able to attend this wedding. Basically the people that we've got here are Tiffany, her daughter. I'm assuming that, uh, Tiffany's boyfriend is going to be there, that weirdo. And Melanie, Tiffany's friend. Is Melanie the one that she was doing private investigation work with? I think she is. But she goes over to Melanie's cabin and is just looking for a listening ear. She starts off by pulling her dress out. And we all know that uh, Rebecca, see, I blanked on her name in the middle of talking. <laughs> Rebecca says that her wedding dress does not fit. So she shows it to Melanie and is like, I think what I'm going to do is like, I have a corset. I'm going to strap myself in and hope that it works. Right. So then she sits down and she's like, I'm stressed dog. And she's like, you know, I just feel like everything is a bad omen. That the fact that he's rushing it, it doesn't feel right. My dress doesn't fit my I don't know what's going on with Zed's blue suede shoes. It's supposed to rain on our wedding day. It's, you know, nobody's about to be here. But Melanie is being really supportive. And is like, listen, you're sitting here talking and worrying yourself about things that you cannot control. But what you can control is who you marry. And it appears that you really want to marry this guy. So just enjoy the fact that, you know, maybe everything is not working out for you, but you're marrying the person that you want to marry. And that's really all sh that should matter. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. Because I don't want to sit here and watch this lady complain. Thank you. 
All right, moving on to Stephanie. I'm whipping through these couples, you guys. Ooh, moving on to Stephanie and Ryan or Harris or, you know, whoever's available, uh, the waiter who's serving the bartenders and, you know, Gilead, the um, pill company, you know. <laughs> so Stephanie and Harris have one last day together before Harris has to go back to work. So they're like hanging out on the beach. Harris climbs up a tree to go get his betrothed a coconut. And so they sit on the dock trying to suckle some coconut water out of this fruit. And is coconut fruit? Yeah. Right? You guys, I am like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Do people consider coconut a fruit? I've never thought about this. I mean, it is a fruit. But do people consider coconut like a traditional fruit? Huh. Wow, look at me. <laughs> Working things out in my brain. So anyway, um, they're drinking coconut water. Stephanie's like, you know, the scenery is beautiful. Like you can tell it's kind of approaching sunset. Like the water's hitting, the sands are gorgeous. Like everything you know the sunlight is just beautiful right and she i mean we have a moment of cognizance from stephanie she's like listen just so you know i know you don't know about a lot about michigan but the view that we're getting right now is not one that you're gonna get in michigan so are you really sure that this is a move that you want to make harris is adamant that he does and he's good Stephanie has officially announced that she has canceled Ryan's K-1 visa and is maybe thinking that something will happen with Harris in the future. I'm wondering if, like, she might get caught up in some fraud shit. Like, if things worked out with Harris, I wonder, I feel like that would really ping to immigration. Why did you cancel your first visa? And why are we now transferring in, applying for another visa with another guy from Belize? But... Anyway, um, she says, you know, like I canceled the visa, but Ryan's still trying to hit me up. She shows her phone logs and there was a missed call from Ryan at 4.57 in the morning trying to get that old thing back. No pun intended. And she's like, you know, I just, I don't know. She says, you know, like when she, she's always trying to find a flaw her conversations are not productive, Stephanie. Like she's always trying to poke hole, poke holes in an alibi, figure out what's fishy. And I, if I were on the receiving end of that, I would find that really annoying. <laughs> like you can't, it seems like you can't enjoy more than five minutes with Stephanie before she's bringing up something concern that she has you know and she says to Harris you know when I talk to you and you say all these nice things it's like you remind me of Ryan and how he would smooth talk me and it's like well what do you want him to say like clearly he's not telling the truth clearly he sees you as an opportunity and Stephanie you know that I know she knows that and I know that she It's like something in her mind is telling her that this is not right, but she keeps going for it anyway. And 
at some point, it's not Ryan or Harris's fault because you're the one who keeps continuing this relationship that you know doesn't feel good and it doesn't feel right to you. But for some reason, you've got it in your mind that this is your last chance at the rodeo. So I don't know. I don't know. It's like, just enjoy it then, you know? You're paying for it, right? Like, I'll be damned if I'm paying for shit and I've got to, like, be heartbroken and confused and wondering which way is up. No, ma'am. I'm going to have a good time. So Stephanie's issue du jour is the fact that she went looking on Facebook and she went to Harris's Facebook, found a bunch of pictures of Harris and Emma, the long-fabled baby mama. So the last picture she found was from Harris's birthday, which was three weeks before, right? So she's worried and she really wants to know, like, what's tea, bitch? What is actually going on with you and her? I thought you guys were done, but here you are hanging out. And now she's turned into some sort of body language expert and is like, oh, the way she's looking at you, the way you guys are embracing during this picture, she's in love with you, Harris. She loves you still. And (laughs) she just like, Harris is adamant but his I just question I have questions so he is adamant that homegirl Emma the baby mama has is fed up with him over it he doesn't really say that he's over Emma he just says that Emma's over him (laughs) so I don't know girl I don't know Harris lays it on thick and is like oh um you're getting suspicious um I just want you to know that I love you And that I'll always love you. (laughs) So, okay. So it's finally time to Harris for Harris to leave. And Stephanie's being the doting girlfriend or mother, perhaps. And she's asking Harris, like, is your phone charged? So I can get a hold of you later. I put a snack in your bag. Your watch. Where's the watch? Where did you? Let me see where you put your watch so you don't lose it, Harris. So, basically, we're at, like, Toys for Tots or something. Everything that Ryan was not able to take when he got his ass out of that hotel room is going to Harris. Is being bequeathed to his cousin Harris. So, he got everything, including that hideous $3,000 watch that she brought. So, right before Harris leaves, Stephanie's like, you know, I got a little bit of money for you. Like, oh, Lord, she is a true sugar mama. She hands him a $100 bill. It's one of the newer 100 This made me so sad. This made me so sad. Darked me out, you guys. Because he looks at the dollar, the $100 bill. And we all know what $100 bills look like, right? So he's like, you know, it's got the colors. And he thinks it's fake. The fact that this man... Okay. So then he says... in U.S. currency is $200 in Belize. And then he says that's more than what he makes in two weeks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <sighs> and then he says... Um, you know, Stephanie looks, she says she's giving this to me for like snack money or food money on the way home, but I'm going to keep this. And this is really going to like, I'm going to put it towards my children. I'm going to put it towards like invest it because this is like a really big come up for me. Oh, that made me so sad. That made me so sad. And the fact that like he's an adult and I know that this is Belize, but American currency the fact that he did not even think that it was real because he had not seen the new currency. Oh, it just made me sad. It made me so sad. And it really like highlighted. Like, I, I mean, he has always been talking about how much better opportunities in America would be for him. But like, I didn't think it was that deep, bro. That's really sad. So, um, Stephanie says, you know, between ending the engagement with Ryan and starting something up with Harris. It's been a whirlwind of emotions and, and pills and alcohol. Um, later, Stephanie treats herself to an afternoon nap. Just kidding. She had a margarita. And she says that, you know, she trusts Harris. She trusts Harris a lot. But she still wants to talk to Emma. This is her last day in Belize. Who knows what's going to happen? Are we going to do a three-way between Emma, Stephanie, and Maria the Psychic so she can get eyes on Emma? I don't know. Only time will tell. Let's move on to Mike and Natalie. Yo, what the hell? (laughs) I have to say, Natalie made me laugh more this episode than ever, ever before. And it's just because she's so... (laughs) I don't think she... Do I think that Natalie's trying to be rude? No, I think she's upset. And I think that, you know, she's from a different culture. So maybe she doesn't understand that the way she speaks to people is not the way we'd speak to people in America if we respect them and care for them. (laughs) She was cracking me up. So Mike is called off the wedding. But, you know, Natalie has to go back home now. So the plan is to go down the holler, get Tamara, the neighbor, And she's going to drive Natalie to Seattle. They're going to spend the night there. And then her flight, Natalie's flight, is the next day. Now, Ukrainian borders are closed. So the plan is for Natalie to fly to France and then figure it out from there, basically. She's fucked, (laughs) essentially. Um, So we get a short cameo from Uncle Bo. He's helping Natalie pack her luggage into the car Natalie says, you know, like, I still don't know how I'm going to be actually entering Ukraine. So she and Uncle Bo hug and and Natalie, you know, is like, I'm sorry that I was so harsh to you. I was a little bit rough on you. And he's like, it's okay. You know, it's fine. We'll keep in touch. And Natalie says, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I will not be keeping in touch with you. I cannot. <laughs> and Uncle Bo's like, okay, well, have a nice life then. <laughs> Poor Uncle Bo. Can we just get him a stack of pancakes and a, and a bottle of Jack and just leave Uncle Bo alone? You know, if you're not gonna, like, run your fingers through those gorgeous tendrils of his and wash his bandanas that he puts in his hair or, um, I don't know, like brush his seven to 12 teeth. Like, what are we doing here? We need to be honoring Uncle Bo for the bad bitch that he is. Not saying I can never speak to you again. That's not how that works, girl. Okay. Not with my Uncle Bo. My Uncle Bo? Uncle Bo Jangles? No, we're not going to talk about that. Um, so Mike comes out. He looking better than ever. Purely because he has abandoned that got to be gel, that gorilla glue that he puts in his hair and combs back. I, ugh, I mean, truly, how are we the same age? <laughs> he looks so much better without some gel in his hair. My gosh. Um, he tells Natalie, like, I'm really sorry. And Natalie gets in the car. It's like, I don't know what to say to you. So Mike opens the car door. He apologizes again. And Natalie's like, what are you sorry for? I might get sick thanks to you. Like, it doesn't really seem like... Like, she's pissed about the breakup, for sure. She's pissed that she got dumped on her wedding day. <laughs> Definitely. But she's also mad that Mike has put her in this situation of... Now I have to travel multiple places. I have to travel across the world. I have to travel to different countries. You're putting me in a situation where we're in a national, international, worldwide pandemic, global pandemic... And not only do you not want to marry me, but you're putting me in harm's way. So, like, fuck off, dude. Um, she tells production, you know, I think Michael's weak. I think his actions are weak. And I'm ready to go. So, on the way to Seattle, Natalie and Tamara realize that they don't know what hotel Mike booked for them. And then Mike calls, or he texts Tamara and says oh, you have to come pick up my credit card because they're going to need the card on file when you get to the hotel. So they have to go back to get the credit card. I think this felt tactical. This felt like something he did on purpose. And Natalie says, you know, like she's really nervous to face Mike. So Mike goes to the car, he hands Tamara his credit card, and then he just kind of hangs in the window. And poor Tamara, who did not ask for any of this, is now literally stuck in the middle of their fight. Because Mike's hanging out from the driver's side window, Tamara's trying to drive, Natalie's in the passenger seat, and so they're going back and forth, and Tamara can do nothing <laughs> but, like look back and forth between them. Like, this is Venus or Serena versus Maria Sharapova. Like, she is, like, uh, I did not sign up to be in the front seat of Wimbledon. Okay? I Poor thing. <laughs> Prayers up for Tamara. Because as much as I love mess, I, that would have been a hellscape for me. Like, my God, please don't make me do this. So he starts by asking Natalie for the ring back. And she's like, I'm not giving it back to you because... You broke up with me. So I have the, every right to keep the ring. He asks for it again. And she says, I'm sorry. No, I deserve to have this ring. She says. That, <laughs> she says that she wants to keep the ring so she can remember all the pain and suffering that she went through. 
I mean, if it, girl, <laughs> if that is not like an Eastern European sentiment, I don't know what is. Ooh, that is some Eastern block shit. So, and Mike is just like, you know, you're just going to resell that ring. So give it back. Technically, legally, Mike is correct. Is he? Okay, so typically, they lawyers will say, like, from the legal standpoint, the, the um, an engagement ring is a contract, right? Or it's like a, yeah, it's like a contract. And... And I'm not saying this right. It's like a, it's not a, I don't think contract is the right word, but it's basically like an agreement, right? Where you have agreed to marry the person. So if the marriage does not happen, if the wedding doesn't happen, then you have basically reneged on that contract and you're required to give the property back to the person who gave it to you initially, right? But does that count if he broke things off? Or if, just if she did? That's what I wonder. Um, anyway, I don't think she has any legal standing for this ring. But on top of that, I don't really think it like it's probably not worth a whole lot, right? <laughs> we all know Mike. You know that's it's probably you know one of those. Um, how do they? What's the word that they jazz up cubic zirconia now? It, it's some sort of gem. Okay, we'll just put it that way. So. Then he basically just stares at Natalie and then he has to speak to her because in his words, irregardless, he still cares about her and he wants to say goodbye. And Natalie's like, no, I don't want to say goodbye to you. I'm not getting out of this car. I'm not going to give you a hug. You're left leaving me out to die. So no. (laughs) So... She is basically like, she starts asking Tamara to start driving and Natalie starts crying. So Tamara drives away and that's all we see from them. Let's end. Oh my God. With Andrew and Amira. This was the culmination. This was such a validating moment for me. This is a culmination of all of my instinct saying that there's something wrong with this man. There's a demon inside of him. He's a demogorgon. He has, he has it, you know, there's something wrong with him and never, I mean this, like things kept escalating throughout this whole season. And this was the culmination. So last we saw Andrew, he was acting all depressed because in his words, Amira did not get on the flight. He tells production that she texted him and she said that she did not board the plane because she had a panic attack. So then Andrew starts flopping out on the couch and says, you know, I think that I failed. I think I failed. And this is the terminology and the words of a madman and a gaslighter and, and a manipulative dickhead so thank god for production and editors we see a screen that says 24 hours earlier so then we're cruising on over to serbia right over in serbia amira is crying on her bed she says 
I thought he was a good person. I thought he was the one. So we get the truth. Was is it turns out Andrew called Amira the night before she was to fly to America and told her that it wasn't working out between them and that they're not on the same page about having children. So Amira says, you know, she's hurt because Andrew was a person that she wanted to spend her whole life with. <laughs> excuse me, you guys. <laughs> oh, excuse me. But to be yelled at by Andrew and to get mean text messages from him was a shock. According to Amira, she was trying to reassure Andrew that she loved him, but then he, like, gave her some sort of matrix, flight-based, red pill, blue pill. He bought her a ticket to Paris, then texted her and says, you have two tickets and two choices. You can choose your flight to America, or you can go to America, or to Paris. Do what you want. I don't care. Then he starts texting. The camera flashes to um, Amira's phone. And you can see his, their, like, WhatsApp text conversations. So let me just show explain to you guys what was said. So the first text says, one, dot, dot, dot. As if Amira is a child and they're, like, counting. Like, oh, if you don't get over here, I'm going to spank your bottom. One. Two, you know, that kind of one, right? First of all, Andrew, you're not going to one me, bitch. I'm not a child. (laughs) I am not in your daycare. So then Amira texts back, are you sure about it? And then his next messages are as follows. You've been given a lot more rope to hang yourself with, so it's on you. The children of the daycare are far better team players. You make your own choices. You shoot yourself in the foot. If you've got any talking to do, I strongly suggest you engage me now. My time is limited! Exclamation point. So she didn't respond, and his next message is, It's been 30 minutes from my initial offer to help. I have but 60 more seconds in me. Five, dot, 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 four, dot, dot, dot. Bitch, get to one. What are you going to do? <laughs> I will be like, I know that he works in the daycare. And I know that like when you're immersed with children, when you have children and you're with them all day, you adopt the sort of language with adults that you use on children. But I, I have never <laughs> heard an adult count down to another adult. That's a threat, first of all. That is an actual threat that can't possibly be legal. Um, Secondly, you don't have a limited amount of time in your day, okay? I have but 60 seconds. I have but 60 seconds more (laughs) before before you what? Before what? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to (sighs) do? idiot and if you guys gone to his instagram account i think it's kind you know i'm not gonna tell you the name because don't don't look at it but it's basically just him doing blue steel poses selfies car selfies showing off his like highlights in his hair there's a video of him brushing his hair to um 
Oh my god, what song was that? Uh, Don't You Forget About Me? The song from, like, The Breakfast Club. (laughs) Okay, he's weird. And you can tell in some of his pictures, like, he's adopted... Gosh, you guys... He's clearly adopted a signature pose. And that pose is um, selfie. Like, he's decided that I think his right side is his best side. But he's also trying to give the illusion that he's, like, thinner than he is. Because (laughs) he will, like, regardless of the shirt, he will pull it down awkwardly so that you can see his collarbone. And he does this pose to where it looks like the collarbone is sunken in, like that of a much thinner or much more athletic body uh, person. It's weird. I'm not fooled. You can try to like sculpt some sort of cheekbones out of your facial hair all day, but I see the truth. And the fact that you're trying to be like Roseville, California's version of Fabio, like miss me, miss me with that. Amira says that even though Andrew gave her the quote option of going back home, um, she feels like she has completed her quarantine and she's not ready to give up on the relationship. So then the TV screen says four hours later and Amira's at the airport. And this was a little bit clunky for me. Like she was explaining what happened but i don't think that footage that we saw was what was going on it it wasn't matching her explanation it doesn't matter the story is what matters so according to amira she said you know like we got in this huge fight but i'm out of these two weeks of you know serbia and I've invested this much, so I might as well go, right? So she says, you know, even though Andrew was mean to her, she still wanted to go back to America. And so she went to the airport. She checked her bags. And but then Andrew called her saying he was still upset about the fight the night before. And then basically threatened her by saying, "Um, if you come to America, you're going to be meeting an angry fiance. Another threat. Another absolute manipulation. Like, Okay. Ew. <laughs> Ew, David. So Amira says at that point, she got so overwhelmed with fear. She felt like she couldn't get on the plane. So Amira called her father, her father who told her before she left France. Listen, if you do this again, I might not speak to you anymore. But he was being a supportive father and said, you got to watch out for yourself. Think about what the best move is for you. And you know, focus on yourself. So she said, you know, I started following my father's advice. At that point, I had a panic attack. (laughs) And I got so scared about Andrew and his reaction. She couldn't do it. She said, you know, I didn't get on the plane, but I didn't tell Andrew. So I waited a few minutes. I was in the airport. I got calm. After my panic attack, I called Andrew. And Told him I wasn't going to get on the fight, flight. And his response was, I don't care about the logistics. Can I just get my rings back? And so she says, you know, I was hoping that he would apologize for, I don't know, going too far, being a gaslighter, being a dick. But she's like, and even if he had apologized to me at that point, 
I would have considered getting on another flight, but he wasn't concerned about me at all or my feelings. He just wanted those rings back. So I'm done. Thank you. Now we're all going to be released. I truly cannot wait for this um, tell-all. I might get Discovery Plus just to see what happens between Andrew and Amira. I want to see his lame, lame, lame attempts at trying to make himself the victim in this situation. I want to see him try to clean this all up because it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be so funny to me. It's going to be the deaf comedy jam of 90 Day Fiance of this dumb, manipulative man trying to walk back all of his monster behavior. Mm. That's it for 90 Day Fiance. Let's move on to Sister Wives this week, you guys. First things first, all of you guys who um, listened to me on the Surviving Sister Wives podcast, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much. You guys have been like really nice and supportive. So love you guys. Um, Secondly, I was on dear friend Liz Bentley's of feathers in my hair. She does a, um, a teen mom podcast called feathers in my hair. She also has a Patreon called Liz explains it all. And as of now, if you're listening right now, you can head over to her Patreon and check out, we talked about the last three episodes of Sister Wives, not really a recap so much as like talking about, uh, you know, like how they handled COVID, how, what all the kids are up to, things like that. More of the bigger highlighted issues that have been happening this season. It was a really fun and enlightening conversation. So if you are a Sister Wives intellectual like myself, (laughs) it's a good listen. So let's talk about this episode of Sister Wives. You guys, I know that I don't typically write notes for Sister Wives, so I just kind of have to talk off the dome. I know that you guys really would like for me to talk about Sister Wives more, and so I'm going to try and do that, especially as 90 Day winds down. So what did we have this episode? First of all, we got to talk about this, like... This like manifesto style recording that Cody was doing in his garage, really trying to like work out safety precautions when it has to do with COVID. And I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm looking at my screen and thinking, this was one of the few times where I'm looking at a show and thinking, if I had seen this. Like if somebody, if I'm Kara in 2018 and I'm, or even 2019 and somebody from the future handed me a video of Cody Brown, I like tight shot on Cody Brown from his garage talking about like safety precautions and we're not going to know if we're doing the right thing until it's hindsight. And like, imagine watching, (laughs) you would have thought what the fuck happened to the Brown family? (laughs) We have gone into Waco territory. What is going on? What happened? Who snapped Cody further? You know? (laughs) So that was very funny. I mean, just watching them really try to navigate the quarantine and... I just found myself really frustrated with Janelle. I found 
myself frustrated with her handling of the children, Garrison and Gibbler, Gabriel. Um, and I thought it was lame. And like, I'm trying to look at this of like, okay, it's like March or April. They live in Arizona and we all know how Arizona handled the first several months of COVID. Uh, not well, bitch. Okay. And so, and also they're like young, right? They're teenagers, early twenties, whatever. So what we saw last week was Janelle having to tell Cody, you can't come to my house. Garrison works as a contractor. So he's on a bunch of sites. He's exposed to people all the time. And also Gabriel, <laughs> Gabriel, <laughs> I refuse to remember these children's names. Um, Gabriel is just basically out here in these streets, fighting and bopping, you know, living his best life, thinking that people his age can't get COVID, thinking that like, oh, I, you know, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to get it. And then he like, he wants to have it always. He wants to, once he finds out that, oh, dad's not coming over to the house and he's only splitting his time between Robin and Christine's house. Mom, that's not fair to you. It's not fair to the kids. You know, why, mom, don't you feel some type of way about that? Don't you feel like left out of the situation? And then he turns from being like, I'm not going to be adhering to any sort of COVID rules and regulations to uh, advocating for his mother. But sir, the call is coming from the inside the house. Pick it up, Gabriel. You're the problem. You're the reason why your father's not coming over. Hello? Hello? Um, I just find... <sighs> that Janelle's hot take you guys Janelle's handing off of the parenting duties to Christine is now coming back to bite her on her ass because she feels like she cannot tell these boys what they can and cannot do because technically they're over 18 incorrect girl if they're in your home and you have rules and they're not adhering to your rules, they need to find another place to live. And is that harsh? Yeah. But it's also like, um, you're not caring for the immediate health and safety of our family. <laughs> and you feel like you can do whatever the hell you want. Go down to the quad and play hacky sack, Gabriel. Um, no, it's not going to work like that. So then he's like, oh, well, how long, when is it going to be the next time the dad comes over? Uh, Janelle's like, I don't know, maybe two weeks, maybe a month. Well, if it's going to be a month, then like, you know, like, why should I social distance then? Like, if we're just going to have to wait for him for a month anyway, then like, what does it matter? Shut up, Gibbon. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So the deal is, all the wives are separated. Cody's only bouncing between Robin and Christine's home. And Janelle has basically banished him. And we all know he's not going over to Mary's COVID or nah. Okay? (laughs) We know that. Mary knew it. Finally, we said it. That whole scene cracked me up where Mary's like, oh, you know, like she's breaking down like who's in, who's still, which kids are still in which mom's house and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, you know, thank God it's me and Mariah and Audrey are in my house and they're quarantining. But, you know, after that two weeks, are we still, are, you know, who's, you know, maybe Cody will come over to see Mariah and Audrey, but you know, that would be the only reason why he's coming over because he does not come to my house. And then she just stares at the camera for like five seconds. And you could tell the production was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and then Mary says, well, it's the truth. And it's like, yeah, we knew it. And I appreciate that you finally said it. I really did. Um, she says like... She starts talking about, like, intimacy and this four-hug rule, which was so funny. She says, they say that a person needs four hugs a day just to survive. People are probably not getting four hugs a day right now. You know, she says, I, she says that she's, like, a real tactile person. She, physical touch is her love language. And she says, you know, like, I really love that from the appropriate person, which felt like, who's the appropriate person in your life? Because it's not your husband. It's not your ex-husband, to be clear. It's not your ex-husband. So who who are you getting these hugs from, Mary? Who are you getting four hugs a day from? Because Mosby the dog just came over from Chicago, so I know it wasn't him. Let's Let's open up that vault. Let's talk about those things, Mary. Who's hugging you? Who is hugging you? Then we get a little bit more insight into Cody and... Uh, Mary's dynamic. She says, you know, I'm really careful about pushing Cody because I don't want him to feel like I'm demanding or pushy or anything like that. You know, I don't really know what Cody's going to be doing after this two week quarantine. I don't know. Um, she, yeah, basically it, it, he says, you know, that he only sees Mary once in a blue moon and that they stop dating each other. But he says, I think, we don't see each other because we stopped dating each other and we stopped dating each other because I stopped asking her to go out on dates. So to me, it's like, I fully understand what Mary gets out of this situation by continuing to be in the family. I don't understand what, why Cody's not pulling the trigger. And I pose a question to you guys, to all of you. If Mary hadn't made the decision to divorce Cody, and if she was still the legal wife, do you think that things would be any, like, if they're relate? how do I say this? If Mary still had her marriage license and 
everything in their relationship is as we see it now. But she's now the legal wife. She's still the legal wife and it's not Robin. Do you think that they would be trying harder to keep it together? Or do you think that Cody would have said, I want a divorce. I want you out of my life. That's something that I really sit and think about. And I really, I kind of feel like he would be more motivated to break up with her if they had it on paper. I really, really do. Um, then we see a conversation between Cody and Mariah on the phone. And they're really trying to navigate politics and talking about COVID this is something that I don't really have to deal with because my family is, you know, Democrats and they lean left and they're quite liberal. Um, I'm probably more liberal than most of them, but you know, they're still, you know, on the left side of things. Right. So I can't imagine having a conversation with somebody who I believe Cody is a libertarian, which, you know, Take that for what it's worth. Um, but also there are very several very conservative members of this family. And I found Mariah's navigating her way through this conversation with Cody to be very interesting. Where he's saying, you know, they're talking about the economy and Mariah's saying, you know, a uh, loss of a life is not worth a thriving economy. And he says he agrees with that. And Robin chimes in and says, you know, she says, when you lose a family member, you're not thinking about the economy. <laughs> That's not like at the forefront of your mind. You're thinking about the loss that you just endured. And that was like the one time where I really liked Robin. Sensible. Sensible. Love that. Y'all, at the end of the conversation, Mariah says, I need to take a nap. <laughs> after talking to my dad and then cut to Christine in the confessional saying, yeah, I get exhausted. Talk every time I have a conversation with Cody, I'm exhausted and I want to take a nap. And you know what I'm going to do after we finish filming? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> Christine is so over this man. <laughs> I love it. I really love it. What were some other highlights from the episode? Um, I loved Savannah. Savannah is emerging as a princess of the Brown family. She is very sweet. She's talking about, you know, I don't really care if I'm not in school because I'm trying to stay safe, girl. Like, I'm out here playing video games. I'm, you know, pretending like I'm going to play bass guitar and like really try and use this time to better myself. But I'm not really because my mom, Janelle, just exposed the hell out of me and said, nobody's doing anything to better themselves at my house. They're playing video games and I guess they're doing homework. I really don't know. <laughs> so um, there was another thing, you know, big news from Joe Darger's world over there in Utah. Um, that basically polygamy has been decriminalized and Cody is the first one to kick off this information. So we see like most or a few of the families, the few of the wives address this with the kids, right? So we see Cody and he says something like, oh, I have some information for Robin's kids and I think they're going to be so excited. And it's like, why? <laughs> why would they be excited? <laughs> So he tells them, you know, that 
in Utah, now it's basically an infraction to be a polygamist. So it's basically the equivalent of a traffic ticket. And they're excited, I guess. I mean, we saw what Christine sit down her girls and tell them and they're like, yeah, cool. But it's also like, they're not really invested in this. <laughs> like Christine was like gushing. Like she could not contain herself to tell her three daughters that polygamy is uh, an infraction now in Utah. And they're like, yeah, cool. Love that for you, mom. Like, I'm happy for you. I don't give a shit, but great. Um, they, they, yeah. I mean, who cares? Who cares about Joe Darger? <laughs> Um, then Cody at one point says something like, oh, I want to sue the state of Utah again. Like this really puts a fire under me. And he's like, you could tell that he's just living for the applause. He just loves the attention. He just loves his face in the spotlight. He's like, I, you know, last time I said I didn't want money from the state, but now I want it. I want to get a, a cash out from them. And I want the attention. If they sue me, I'm going to sue them again. Like this is really lit a fire under my ass and we're gonna get these fuckers and robin's like oh cody did you curse oh don't say that don't say f cody um yeah whatever i don't care (laughs) like i'm happy for you guys you should be able to you should be able to marry whoever you want and if it's consensual do it if you want to marry 17 women great the interesting thing is that robin and cody are on the couch and they're talking about how like great this is gonna be Right. And how this is really going to normalize things and sort of um, it's going to make polygamists come out more into, you know, the community. They're going to be more present and more visible, but also it's going to allow for like the underbelly of polygamy to be uh prosecuted against more right there are going to be harder penalties for people who are doing abusive things and so cody and robin are talking about how oh if you want to fix the polygamous community give all the wives a marriage license give them actual legal validation that they are married to their husband because you know what's going to happen is that husband's going to be ship shape because he doesn't want to lose his he doesn't want to have to pay alimony he doesn't want to have to pay child support should something go wrong you're gonna get a better husband out of this situation by making it legal than you are not right because the women are gonna have the legal power to get his ass should something go wrong um gosh what else happened there was something else that i really wanted to talk about Oh, Christine. Uh, so Christine tells her girls about, and this happened in, actually in Robin's conversation too, where she tells the older kids and, you know, she's got those two younger kids that are like under five, I guess. I think Ariella is four. So after everybody's gathered around the kitchen table and they tell them about polygamy being an infraction now, they're like, Ariella starts talking and they're like, oh, what? Are, do you have anything to say? And Ariella says, I just want to say that this house is beautiful and I love the flowers and I like being here. And then with Christine, when she tells the kids, her kids, they're like, oh, this doesn't mean that you're trying to move to Utah, right? Because we're not trying to do that. Like, uh, Aurora, no, 
that's Christine's kid or Robin's kid, whatever. One of, uh, one of Christine's blonde children, the older one <laughs> says, I, Isabel, Isabel with a Y, Isabel, Isabel, Isabel says, I just started making friends in my school. I'm not trying to move. Gwendolyn's like, I'm not trying to move. Truly always <laughs> ever the, the advocation person. Like we need to get truly into advocacy. I think we do. <laughs> I've never met a child who is so um, willing to speak up for themselves, regardless of whether or not it matters to them or not, because truly uh, barely lived in Utah, but she's very clear that she does not want to move back. Okay. Um, it's just so funny to me that these kids reactions were like, are we moving? <laughs> the PTSD is strong within them. And they're like, I just, I just, I can't. I can't get another move under my belt. I cannot do it. Um, at some point, Christine mentions Coyote Pass. And they're like, yeah, why haven't we moved onto the property? Why Why is the land just sitting there? That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Um, it, it was just so funny. Like, they were just like, I, I cannot get another move. I cannot do it. I'm not doing it. I can't. I won't. <laughs> Um, and then it basically ends with Christine saying, I'm going to tell Cody about this conversation, but I'm going to lie because I want to move back to Utah. My kids don't, but I'm going to tell Cody that everybody wants to move back to Utah anyway. Oh, Christine, she is going to beg, borrow and steal her way back to Salt Lake City. If it's hell or Lehigh, come hell or high water. Come hell or Lehigh water. She's going back to Utah. Okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. That is going to be the end for me. I promise that I will be talking more in depth about Sister Wives next week. Um, but you guys have a good week. I'll catch you next Wednesday or Friday if you guys watch Married at First Sight. Be back then. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.